What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. We had some big news happening this week. Plenty of updates on some movies that we're interested in. Some new shows we may be getting in the future. And uh, so much more, as well as some new recaps we'll have for you guys. We'll be recapping the episodes of Titans and The Flash. Both of these shows we have not spoken about since their uh, season premieres. Of course, Titans was their pilot. So a lot has happened. We'll try to cram it as much as we can on this show in regards to the recaps and the news. So let's get right to it. Joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, starting with Shamari Stewart. Shamari, uh, what are you looking forward to talking about today? Um, I'm looking forward to um, doing these show recaps. I mean, Titans has been um, uh, kind of... uh, uh, making ways online because people are either surprised at how good it's been, how you know not horrible it's been <laughs> to be specific about that. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking about that, and we have a couple some uh, very interesting stories to talk about. So it should be a good show. Kendall joins us as well from Philadelphia. Kendall, I'm excited to have you back on the show as always. What are you looking forward to talking about today? Yeah, I mean, obviously Titans is a. Uh has been very very interesting the last couple episodes um but last week we talked a lot about uh the possibility of a hawkeye tv show uh we've talked about the scarlet witch tv show that's coming up on the disney streaming service apparently disney has more down coming down the pipe for us so i'm excited to talk about that this is a great segue Kanuka that leads us right into our biggest story of the week and that starts off with uh a big scoop coming from Variety, Justin Kroll, and Joe Otterson with the news that Disney is uh, is developing a limited series featuring Falcon and Winter Soldier from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like Kendall said, that kind of comes off of the news we heard um, last week. That or Was it last week or was it two weeks ago? I don't know why it feels longer. Uh, whenever we Which spoke one? about it, um, about the Scarlet Witch show, which then also yeah, was... Yeah, two weeks yeah, that was two weeks ago, which we also now are learning that Vision would be also appearing on that show. So another big swing here for Marvel and for Disney on this new streaming app. It's kind of funny. A lot of people, I remember when they announced the app, kind of were wondering, you know, why? Like, we all understood why, but in terms of our pockets, it's like, why are they doing this to us? <laughs> you know, you had all your stuff on Netflix, like, wasn't that enough? And now you're going to make me spend another $10 or whatever hell this is going to cost me. But it, as for the Marvel fans, this is sounding more and more like it will be worth the bang for the buck. Because this is a major development. I mean, you know, we have a lot of superhero TV shows, but... This, again, would be a major uh, endeavor where you're marrying the movies with the TV, with the television, uh, with, with television in a way that we haven't seen before. I think this is kind of what a lot of fans hoped Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would be. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is fantastic. It took, you know, maybe too long for people to stay on to realize it was fantastic. But it, it got to a great place, but it still never has quite married the MCU with uh, with television, the Netflix series, people got excited that that could be the the bridge between, uh, you know, movies and television, and that hasn't quite done, except for the typical random, you know, the big green guy and the guy with the hammer <laughs> references. Here, it seems like Disney is really trying to show the fans that if you really want to have that true marriage between 
watching your favorite heroes that you see in the movies and then seeing them on television. This is going to be the place to be. And Shamari, I got to say, I think that this is another great move. Um, the concerns regarding, you know, can a show with, you know, maybe not the budget you have for an Avengers movie or a Captain America movie, can this show look the way it's supposed to? But I tell you what, you know, Disney showed with what they did with that Fox deal. They have endless resources. And I kind of look at what I've seen and we've seen from Game of Thrones and how that show, when it comes to CGI, has pushed the envelope to the point where at times it does look like a major motion picture. So I'm excited for it. And I really hope that Disney and how they're going to do this, that they're going to spend the money necessary. It may not be a, it's not going to be a 20 episode season, but if we get a six or seven episode show that looks dynamite, sign me up. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with this. I mean, this sounds like it could be really good. Um, and because it's with characters like Falcon and Winter Soldier, this is kind of separate from the Loki Scarlet Witch one, where, I mean, those are magical characters, mystical characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I mean, Falcon flies, so that's going to be costly. But, I mean, Winter Soldier just has a gun. True. So, a, a gun and a metal arm. That's all you just green screen the arm, give him a gun. Get some good stunts going, and you got a good winter. You got a winter soldier show, you know. So that that shouldn't be. I mean, I wouldn't think that would be so extremely costly for Disney. Mm. So I definitely think this is a show um, that could that could certainly succeed. And I mean, even just looking at what what they have in store um, uh, with the their Star Wars show, The Mandalorian. Where I mean, they have. Uh, I mean, if you've listened to Imperial broadcast, I mean they they've had a set photo. Um, they've had that that first set photo for John Favreau's show. It looks spectacular. It looks amazing. It looks better than Boba Fett did in, in, in the uh, original trilogy. And that's not a knock on him. That's just how good it looks. Mm-hmm. It's movie quality. And apparently that show is going to have like, over a $100 million budget. So they're, <laughs> they're, not, they're not going to um, – they're not shortchanging the streaming service at all. They're completely willing to pay however much they need to pay um, to make it – to, make, to have, make sure they have quality content on it. So I think – I'm just excited for this. I think this is just a good idea. Um, and I think uh, uh, um, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie have good chemistry. Yeah. Very yeah, I mean, we saw that in, uh, in in Civil War. Civil War, I mean, yeah. that It's like you watch that movie and you're like, these guys definitely love these guys hang out and see what they do. Yep. Never thought I'd get a show out of it, Kendall. Um, Malcolm Spellman is being tapped to write the series. He worked on uh, Empire. Uh, as a co-executive producer and a writer. Um, he also wrote the screenplay for Our Family Wedding. So neither of those shows or, or movies have anything like what we were seeing with, you know, possibly from a Winter Soldier and uh, and, and Falcon show. But Kendall, I, I, when Shemari made a good point about the budgeting and, and Marvel not, you know, be, being afraid, or these other Disney not being afraid when it comes to the Mandalorian and when it comes to this, they probably won't be afraid to spend whatever they have to. I look at this kind of, and to me, I think it's kind of a shift in just the business of filmmaking because you can take like HBO has taken the risk of putting the money into game of Thrones and other, other properties, but it's easier for them than maybe a network to do that because they don't rely on advertising. They rely on you actually giving them the money. So I think Disney looks at that and says, well, these people are giving us the money to see these movies. Why wouldn't they give us the money to see the show? 
So why go through the middleman of, of putting on something that may not be as strong um, and have to split the money with some other place when we could just do the product great and we'll get that money back that we're spending on having Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan working television and, and, and having to put whatever CGI you need to make this show work and look good when we know the money that we're getting, which is we've seen has just been ballooning with every movie, is going to be there anyway. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation if you're Disney because clearly they have decided, Bob Iger, Alan Horn, and everyone at Disney have decided that it's obviously they want to attack that Netflix, Hulu streaming service market. And they decided that it's financially um, responsible for on their part uh, and financially helpful to go out there and go out, you make a show like Scarlet Witch, make a show like The Mandalorian, Loki, whatever shows they're making, and give them that Game of Thrones type budget, and they feel like enough people will subscribe. Honestly, I, I'm, I mean, I'm not super concerned, but there, there has to be a level of concern when you hear all these shows that are coming out mm-hmm. that you would assume would have a lot of budget. A lot, uh, very high budgets. It, it, it there has to be a level of concern from a consumer perspective that the price of this streaming service could be very high mm. because, I mean, I, you know, this isn't going to be the WWE Network where it's nine ninety nine a month. I'd imagine um, this might be like well over that. You know, it could be thirty, forty wow. bucks for all you know. Um, can't confirm obviously, but that's just it. You, logically, if you're putting all this content on there. It'd be one thing if you had one show like that, you know, but if you're, if they're not gonna slow down at all, I mean, like the, the Netflix Marvel series are fairly easy to do from a budget perspective. Um, obviously Luke Cage, Jessica Jones and Daredevil, very little, very few effects. Iron Fist also to an extent has very few effects. So it's not impossible to do any of those shows. Punisher as well also has very few effects, but you think you're going to do Falcon or mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch or Loki, and it's going to be a small budget. So that's something that they're going to have to uh, decipher. Um, from a story perspective, though, uh, an idea perspective, I, I I agree. I think this is a good idea. Clearly, with these types of shows, Marvel's also doing something that we've talked about for a while in the MCU, where we, we talk about how... They've created this massive shared universe where we have these heroes that right now we've always assumed really don't do much outside of the movies. Like, they only show up. I mean, you have to kind of assume that they are doing stuff, but from what we see, they only do stuff when they're the uh, earth-shaking event that's about to come up. You know, Thanos is around or, you know, Ultron's around or, like, Crossbones is around. Like, they don't show up, like, every... And do like Spider-Man type stuff, but um, so this these types of shows will kind of show what these heroes do when they're not with the Avengers, when, yeah. they're, when they're not with Captain America. They probably are on other missions or doing other things. So that kind of bridges that gap that we've been talking about. Um, and also, one thing that I wonder: this is something a little more, a little bigger of a question mark, but. 
what does this mean for... Because these are two characters, Winter Soldier and Falcon, that obviously have a interesting connection to each other. Right. So I ask, why does, what does this mean for Captain America? Mm-hmm. Because obviously we... I mean, Chris Evans, oh, he gave his goodbye tweet, which we don't know what that means for his character or his future in the MCU. But what we do know is we can't imagine that he's going to be around much longer based on what he said in the past. And a lot of people have felt, is there a chance Winter Soldier or Falcon, more likely Winter Soldier would become Captain America after? Um, well, if these two guys have a show that's going to come out, let's say, in 2020, what does that mean for... Um, what does that mean for the future of the Captain America character? Does this, Is this show about one of them becoming Captain America? I don't know. Yeah, it is... I think it's a million-dollar question right now when we look at this series. My gut tells me... I don't know, honestly. I mean, I, my gut tells me no. I don't know. My gut tells me that that this they won't... One of them won't be Captain America on this show. Now, do they become Captain America by the end? That's something I could more see. Um, but that would surprise me if someone... They had a Captain America TV show... Uh, That'd be crazy. That'd be awesome. But I, that would be surprising. I don't know if they, they give us that on an app. I feel like that's something that you get in a movie. So, I don't think so. But the idea that you could have a Captain American and Winter Soldier show or a Captain America and Falcon show, I mean, that seems like something straight ripped from a comic book that like, we all could be excited about. My gut tells me that that's a, that's a really bold move. But if Kendall is saying what he's saying is true and we're talking about you wanting to get $30 or $20 out of my pocket every month, you got to come harder. You got to go hard to go home. And that could be uh, their way of, of coming up big in terms of, uh, of of making it worth me paying for that. What do you think, Shmar? Do you think that Captain America is one of these characters in the show? Um, I don't think that Captain America would be um, in... Yeah, I don't think that Captain America would be in this show. I would have predicted that one of them would be Cap going forward in the MCU. And I guess that, and the MCU meaning the, just the movie specifically, sure. not on the on this TV or streaming service. And I, um, so this kind of muddles that. I don't really know what this means <laughs> for the future of Captain America yeah. as the character Captain America. I have no idea. Story-wise, um, I feel like if you, I mean, you guys remember a little bit of the, a lot of the comic books that were coming out uh, shortly after the death of Captain America, mm-hmm. there were a lot of these like kind of offshoot stories with like Captain America allies kind of doing things to kind of honor him. Mm-hmm. I feel like this show was going to be that. I feel like this show is going to be what so. are these guys going to do after the death of Captain America and how are they coping with it and and how Can are they the honoring, his, honoring his memory and picking up the pieces that Kendall said. This is what I think this show is. I don't think that Captain America is one of the characters in this. And I, when I say that, I mean Stan or Mackie being Captain America. And I, th- and I think that... Um, I think this is going to be very soon after. I think it will be set soon after. Yeah, but do you whatever, think that there's whatever a chance... Whatever happens to Cap in the next movie. Do you think that there's a chance that one of them takes the mantle by... Because they say it's a limited series. Is there a chance one of them takes the mantle by the end? I, I can see possible. that happening. That's the point of the show. I mean, uh, I can see that happen. I can see that happen. I can't he, see that... Captain America is episode one and Bucky's holding the shield. That's not happening. No, I, I, yeah, I, I would have known. That. I would think we would have known that by now. I like, mean, I, I mean, I, I think that, and I, and I think people is 
whatever happens in Avengers Four to Chris Evans, I think people are gonna need a little bit of time. I don't think they're just gonna they're just gonna hand the shield to Falcon. Sure. In Avengers Five, you know, I, I just don't think that's gonna happen. They're gonna and this series might be that thing to kind of ease people into that idea. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, so I, I think that that also may be the cause of this series, possibly, um, even to kind of get people kind of put test that put that out there, see how people might feel about that, you know. And then come, you know, Avengers Six or, you know, they may like uh, kind of like have a quote unquote reboot, I guess, of the Captain America franchise where they come out with another Cap movie um, with either Falcon or Winter Soldier as Captain America. Then they would kind of start that. Um, and I also think I th- I think and I, I I definitely I think you're right, Kendall, that they may actually be increasing the price of the streaming service as a result of all these amazing <laughs> shows coming out. Right. Um, but I don't know. I think that might be a marketing mistake if if that is what they're gonna do. Right. Because I think a lot of Disney people are not MCU people. You know, a lot of people that like Disney movies that may have been I'm gonna get this app for my kids. Sure. Are they gonna pay thirty dollars? To right. get an app that has all the Disney movies for their kids, you know. I mean, are, I mean, are they really going to do that? I guess. Are the Marvel people going to pay thirty, forty bucks for one show or two shows? For three or shows, two, three shows. Yeah, that, and it's, are it's, the Star Wars people going to pay for just Mandalorian? That's going to be yeah, question. and it's online. Like, I mean, let's keep it real. Like, people are going to risk. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's a risk. Like, are they going to do that, or or are they are they going to pay thirty dollars a month? You know, like. In this day and age, I don't know, man. I don't know if people are going to do that. So I think that I think that, that may be an issue for them. I think for them, it's the calculation of look, we just made two hundred and seventeen million dollars in the first weekend of Avengers, we made over two hundred in the first weekend of Black Panther. They're banking that the I think they're banking. And I don't know if it's a I, I can't tell for sure that it's a great bet, but they're banking that even the casual people will pay for that. At least enough of them. Enough of them will pay for it. If yeah. that price is as high as it is. Now, if it comes out to be nine ninety nine, well, then I don't think they have an issue. People will just buy the app. I think, I think maybe 15 might be like a sweet spot. I think so, too. That's what I was thinking. I thought, like, I don't think it would be nine ninety nine like the WB Network, but I felt like $15, 15 $16. 16, yeah, I, I could like see that. that being it. I think once it gets to the 20 range, that's asking a lot to me. Um, for And... You can say that, but then say, but you have that library of Disney, which now includes Fox. So that's everything, basically. But still, that's a Some people don't just don't want to just give up twenty dollars. You know, uh, people are working. Some people don't have time to sit down and watch a bunch of stuff. Like they might not want that kind of library. So it's a uh, it's it's an interesting situation. Um, what I, do you think about Vision being in uh, Scarlet Witch? Yeah, if if, if you know. Paul Bettany, who plays the Vision, uh, there's been reports that there's a, there's a chance that uh, he may play a uh, well. Film reporting saying he will play a significant role uh, in the Scarlet Witch limited series. I don't know what to make of this. I mean, I think it's related to whatever is going to happen with Avengers. I can't see this being any kind of prequel. Um. Though you never know. I mean, they kind of established in Avengers Infinity War that this these meetups with, with Scarlet Witch and Vision were happening for a long time. So could there be the, the adventures of Scarlet Witch when, you know, when she's not with the team, you know, the Dark Avengers, so to speak, or the Secret Avengers, so to speak, she's with Vision? Uh, maybe, but I think this tells me that 
Vision may come back in some form. In the comic books, he's come back a million times from death because he is an android. So really, a lot of it may just come down to just downloading data and things like that. Of course, they attach the mind jump to him in this iteration. So that complicates things. But of all the characters that died, so to speak, he's probably the one that's, in theory, easiest to come back in some form. Will he come back? as the same powerful vision that we have with the mind zone, maybe not, but could he come back in some other form? He's not a real person. So that's more likely. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you there, EJ. I mean, I think he may come back cause he's a computer. Yeah. And you know, there's a, the, the cloud exists. So, <laughs> I mean, he could come back. You can just, you know, just upload him or download him, whatever you're going to do. Just, just... I'm, sure, I'm sure the Russians got a version of him. They, ha- they, hacked, <laughs> they hacked a while ago. Yeah. You know, so, so I mean he'll I mean I can see him coming back in some in some form, um, even if he's not the vision that we know. Um, but uh, if he is the vision that we know, I think that would be uh, that's just a lot more money that they have to put into the show because vision is so powerful and, and and you can't shortchange that. You can't have. I think vision. you'll see a lot of uh, Paul Bettany and not Vision. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say you can't say oh yeah we, it's Vision and he's never using his powers. You know you got. We could put in vision in the show. We gotta see vision. I think you see a lot of him cooking in, in nice sweaters, <laughs> testing, yeah. t- t- needing more paprika. <laughs> we got vision on the show. What do you think, Kendall? Yeah, I mean it's. I mean it makes sense, obviously. And at this point, very little would surprise me about this. This Disney Marvel stuff in terms of like, oh, vision on the show. I mean, why not? I mean, I thought Tom Hiddleston was crazy and. It's progressively gotten crazier and crazier in terms of the character. I'm just waiting for them to say, you know, Tom Holland in the, in the show. <laughs> Spider-Man show. <laughs> that, that's the, I feel like that's the, the next step. I um, mean, it seems like, I mean, Kendall, I mean, it seems like, like you, like, you know, not to make jokes of it, but, like, it does seem like, I mean, besides Bozeman, Hiddleston, I mean, excuse me, Bozeman, uh, Holland. Brie Larson. Uh, Brie Larson. Uh, I think they everyone else. Everyone else, I think, is on the table outside. Of course, the big, the original big three. I think everyone, I think everyone else is literally on the board. Yeah, and that doesn't even include, like you mentioned, DJ, the Fox characters. Exactly. That, I mean, at this point, if this Disney thing's a success, I'd almost argue it's more likely we see the Fantastic Four and/or X Men on this than we do in the movies, at least initially, especially the Fantastic Four. Because, Mm. I mean. They would they would be perfect. I mean, you can do the budget, obviously, because if they're doing all this stuff, why wouldn't you be able to do the Fantastic Four? And it just makes it, it would probably just make more sense from a business perspective if you felt like the Fantastic Four weren't a, a profitable brand anymore because of what Fox did to them. And what better way to make them perhaps more profitable by introducing them? in something else i always said in another movie but what about introducing them on an app and um using that to then then maybe introduce them in another marvel movie and then introduce them into their own so yeah it gives them a lot of flexibility i'm excited that disney's investing as much as they are in this and i can't wait to see what they eventually come out with but let's move on now let's talk a little bit more in the marvel cinematic universe world because uh jeremy conrad from mcu cosmic is reporting that the Avengers trailer is likely coming out either at the end of the month or the beginning of December. He says the likely dates would be November 26th or December 20th, December 2nd. That would be uh, 
both Monday Night Football debuts for the trailer. He's also reporting that the trailer title will be Avengers Annihilation. Um, those are pretty big scoops. We've heard the end of the year uh, stuff about the Avengers trailer. We've heard rumors of Annihilation that really didn't seem quite confirmed. This is the first of these entertainment reporters that we have, the superhero reporters that we have, going out on a limb and saying this is what's going to happen. And this is confirmed by his sources. So, Shamari, what do you make of the title? And what do you think of the, the, the release plan for the trailer? I mean, we've been hearing rumors about this title for a while. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I'm, I'm down for this title, but it's just more um, kind of doom and gloom. So it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder how this whole issue is going to be resolved. And if it's really going to be, quote-unquote, resolved, or if they're just kind of going to kind of skate away, um, uh, uh, which would be a controversial thing in and of itself, you know, if, if the good guys don't really win the way that they usually would or that they, that they should. Um, so that would be um, very interesting. Uh, as for the trailer, I'm, I mean, I, the sooner they give us this trailer, the better. So, so I hope it's on that Monday night football date, um, the, the uh, 26th. So I think that would be, I think that would be great. I think that would be perfect. I think everyone's going to be watching, um, you know, uh, whenever they decide to, <laughs> to drop this trailer, everybody's going to be watching. Uh, uh, but really, the sooner the better. I mean, I really think that um, getting getting the ex- they need to get the excitement going for this movie um, because I don't. I mean, it's there, but I think the earlier they can get it started in the general public, the better it'll be. And I think that this is kind of the holiday season of now is kind of a good time to start getting people excited. You know, um, this is kind of Disney's next like really, really big film. I mean, Star Wars is kind of in a lull right now after Solo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing coming out this winter really for them. Um, so they might as well, you know, hey, listen, we got this Avengers movie. So they want it to be the biggest movie, um, or the biggest MCU movie yet for them. They might as well get the get the hype started now. Uh, Kendall, what do you what do you think of the trailer and the uh, the trailer date and the potential title for the movie? Yeah, first on the title, we've talked about this annihilation thing for a while. It's been out there for a couple for well over a month now. But I've never I never bought that rumor. I always it just never sounded like everything that they'd been hinting at uh, for for the longest time. At but. At this point, I, I'd be shocked if it weren't Annihilation, just because there are so many now people saying, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Here it's Annihilation. I've seen the, the stuff. It, it is Avengers Annihilation. So, yeah, I'm surprised that it did turn out to be Annihilation. Um, that definitely feels like they want it. They want the atmosphere and the hype going into the movie to still be very, like Shamari said, doom and gloom. Because like, if you make it like Avengers Assemble, for example... Like, you you know, people are like, oh, the Avengers are back, you know, like, or, you know, Avengers Legacy even, or Avengers something, something, you can't have it too positive or else people are going to go in with a positive mindset going into the movie. Um, so Annihilation suggests that they want whatever was felt at the end of Infinity War to continue to, uh, continue to be that feeling going into uh, Avengers 4. But uh, in terms of the trailer date, um... You know, you definitely just feel like you see the light at the end of the tunnel at this point. I mean, that's, what, two, three weeks from now? 
Yeah. Um, and then it's the 26th, and then if not the 26th, and the, then December 3rd. I mean, it's not that far from now. Um, I, the the two games, it's either going to be the the Titans versus the Texans on the 26th, or the Redskins Eagles on the third. Um, hopefully, it's that that December 3rd game because I'm not watching the Titans Texans, but. Uh, well, maybe I will. I don't know. Kind of have to for the job. But um, what I will say is, uh, knowing ESPN, I'm sure they'll prefer that they put it during that Titan Texans game because I think they know most people won't be watching that game. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like this is going to be one of the bigger trailer releases that we've had in years. Um, Last Jedi was big, but wasn't as big as The Force Awakens. That first Monday night Force Awakens trailer was also huge. Yeah. That was probably, I think that's probably the biggest one. That plus Infinity War have been the last two, like, earth-shattering trailers that we've had that I can remember. Um, We've had, obviously, other big ones, but ones where, like, if 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 you're on this planet and you haven't seen this trailer, (laughs) or you're not watching this trailer, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think this next one for Avengers Annihilation will be the same way. Yeah, this is an interesting. Uh, the for the trailer date, um, I think that Monday Night Football makes sense. Um, that Disney has been working hand in hand with the ABC, ESPN, uh, uh, networks to try to do these major releases on their networks. So of course they own those networks. So that I think is not surprising. This is bigger than a Jimmy Kimmel, so I think a Monday Night Football makes more sense. In regards to the title, which is more interesting to me, uh, the title is a little shock. I don't say shocking only because you know people kept throwing around that rumor a lot. It's still shocking to me only because nothing that they set up in the last movie has anything to do with what with a Marvel fan hears the word Annihilation. Um, Annihilation is a cosmic story regarding that heavily involves Thanos, but also involves um, the villain analyst and his uh, and his wave of uh, of annihilation that he literally brings from the negative zone into uh, into the cosmos and how it's basically becomes the, the, these like uh, this mishmash of cosmic heroes and villains that kind of have to keep it all together to stop these guys it includes Thanos includes Silver Surfer which maybe be interesting. We heard those rumors about Silver Surfer and him being casted. Um, it includes Galactus. So I don't see any, I've not heard anything about those people playing a role in this movie. Nothing they set up suggests that there's going to be an analyst, uh, a nihilist, I'm sorry, um, in this movie. As far as we're concerned, I still think he's a Fox character. I, I think he would align more with the. Um, with uh with the fantastic four so i'm not sure what this means but it kind of reminds me of what we had with age of ultron where age of ultron was nothing like nothing the like comic the book actual age of ultron story. yeah which was terrible not now the movie wasn't that great either but the the comic book was even worse than the movie and and that the stories were not the same at all 
And I think Marvel has shown that they like to kind of play with these names that they know mean a lot to Marvel fans and kind of use their own spin on it. Uh, we saw it with Age of Ultron. We saw it with Civil War. Um, we saw it with Winter Soldier. We're seeing it now with uh, with Annihilation. This is it. So it's intriguing because Annihilation is not an Avengers story, but I'm willing to see where this goes. Um, uh, what do you if you're think? talking about Captain Marvel being involved, that could make sense in terms of taking it back more into the cosmos than maybe I anticipated. What do you think about... Um, because I know the the last Avengers movie they debuted the trailer on Good Morning Good Morning America. You think they might do that again? Debuted the trailer, Avengers Infinity War. Right. Well, yeah. well, they well they're saying right now that they're doing it on Monday Night Football. I know, but I'm saying, what would you think if? Um, because I mean, there's I mean that's he's reporting it that's might be rumor, on, right. yeah, but we don't know for sure. Um, I mean. I think there's a chance it might be in Good Morning America again. So you think that they might just this might not even be true? Um, At least the, I mean, the Monday football part. I mean, I think it's possible. You know, I, don't, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Good Morning America to me honestly does make more. It kind of does make more sense to me. I mean, that would have been my first guess because I think I don't know. I mean, I maybe more people probably watch football, but I don't know. I would have thought that just kind of you want to get just everyone who non-football fans, non-whatever, everyone just to watch something. I feel like Good Morning America kind of makes sense, and it's kind of the right show that I'm sure they could probably have uh, a Kevin Feige or Chris Evans, someone in the studio right. and talk about the movie. You know, Obviously, that's not going to be the case with Avengers. Of course, he could still do all that stuff right. with it being the night before. And that's what they did with um, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Also. So, uh, I, I don't know. I think the Monday Night Football is still where they're going to go because, again, it seems like for the biggest of big titles, that's, that's where true. they've gone. That is true. For the smaller ones, they've gone to Good Morning America. But, from, they, you know, I think they, they believe in the Monday Night Football brand. And I think for this stuff, they, 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 they feel like that's the way to go. Because I wouldn't, like, anticipate, like, like, Marvel, it makes a little more sense, but I wouldn't anticipate, like, something like Star Wars making sense for Monday Night Football. And they've done it twice, right? Yeah. 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 So I mean, I mean, or well, three times with Rogue One, yeah. right? And he did with Rogue One. So for the heavy hitters, they they seem to think that winning football is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I I, I kind of think for a buzz for like for buzz, I would think that having it come out in the morning and have everyone like reacting to it live yeah. as the day goes on makes more sense than it happening at ten o'clock at night. And that's why I never got the Jimmy Kimmel thing, honestly. I don't know why they like to go to him for that. I would, right. I would think that I would want my joint to dominate the whole day of coverage, and you don't, you can't, you can't have that. Even as great, and we've seen it with the other things they've done. Like it's happened, and for the morning, talk about it, and then we moved on to something else. It's a we're in, we have the smallest attention span in the history of existence right now, probably with how we jump from story to story to story to story with social media. So right. if I was them, I would say I would put on Good Morning America and make sure that I'm the biggest thing that happens in the morning and now everyone's talking. Everyone's only talking about this. So it happens the night before. That only stays for the water cooler, and then we're on something else. Mm. But they don't seem to – there's got to be some metric that I don't know. I'm sure they got some some Harvard and Yale, uh, you know, dudes that, that have been crunching the numbers – that have, been, that have been doing everything that that know that this is right, and that I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, but that's how I would do it. But but I'm I don't know. We'll see. The annihilation thing is just interesting because uh, does anyone think that that means there's a better chance we see Silver Surfer? 
No. I think that there. I think that it is really because interesting. Besides Thanos, he's the only character that remotely could possibly to me be in this movie. That is, I mean, besides Star Lord. Star Lord that was in that story. Yeah. Right. right. But we're not getting Galactus. We're not getting Annihilus. I don't think we're getting an annihilation wave. I mean, we might. They, they probably will. They may make it something different. But Are we sure that we're not getting Galactus? Not like as a main character, but ever. Or not ever, but like in this movie at all. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if... He wouldn't. Pop. No, that wouldn't. He, him and, to me, he would be with Silver Surfer. That I could see that. I don't. I, think, I, I could see him playing. being the reason why maybe Captain America doesn't make it out. Uh, I could. I, I could see that. I don't think I could see it as much as Silver Surfer, but I could see that. Well, I'll say is this: I don't think either one of them will play a role in the movie. But doesn't mean we won't see it, I, both of them at some point. I think so too. Near, Just because they've the been energy. working on this for so long. And they didn't even have Silver Surfer for, like, most of that time. Yeah. So, I mean, they could show up, but I can't see them being integral parts of the movie or having a lot of screen time. I, I'd imagine that those those characters would be introduced to set up whatever phase we're going into. I'm losing track. I guess, what, phase four? Um, I wonder if we're going to see Nova. Because Nova's a, a big character in that, too. There you go. I think he's someone that's. I think he's probably more likely than Silver Surfer. Honestly, I, agree, I think that I, I think that, that we will see Nova because if this is the title. Did you guys know that uh, uh, Friday, November second, was uh, Inhumans Day? I know that, that was, we were supposed to see. That's when the Inhumans movie was supposed to come out. <laughs> and I saw so many tweets about it, and I was just, it was so funny. Like four went out what, for Inhumans. What man. what could have been? Vin Diesel is Black Bolt. <laughs> yeah, they messed that up bad. I don't know. I'm wondering. I, I I would love. I don't know. Like, man, we have a podcast, obviously, and it, it will grow in something great. And I hope that one day, if we ever get to interview Kevin Feige, which will happen at some point, that's going to be one of the questions I most want to ask him about. That Like, what happened within humans? Like, he can't explain what happened with the TV show, like in terms of why it was so bad. I just mean like, what was the, what was the thought process and how it became from your property something terrible that we saw on ABC? Because that's like the biggest mystery. Like I don't know, we ever really got an answer. We knew that there was a lot of issues with like getting off the ground, and then all of a sudden it was a TV show. I feel like the actual story is going to be much less interesting than we think. It's going to be something involving contracts and and so the contract ran out and. And someone, I, I, someone, I hope, someone I signed hope a form. And I hope it's good because those, those eight <laughs> hours that I lost, I'm never getting those joints back. Like those were just burned. Like I got, I gained. I say I sincerely hope the people that listen to the show like gained something out of like my frustration in talking about it. And it was funny to talk about, but in terms of like just me personally, I, like I'm never gonna get those hours back. Like I just, those, those are just dead hours. Like I'm looking back at my life, it like. 50, 60 years from now and be like, like, what are the times that were wasted in my life? Oh, yeah, those eight hours I watched in, in humans. Definitely could have been doing something way more productive than that. Oh, jeez. That, that's just one of the biggest mysteries, I feel like, that we have uh, in this round that we're talking about, how that exciting movie property became a laughably bad TV show. 
maybe the worst show we've had in this round. But uh, let's move on to uh, the last story of the week. It's a short week for stories, but a lot of big stories happened this week. And it revolves around Birds of Prey movie, which is funny. Before I even get into this, I feel like the, the amount of news we get on a weekly basis on Birds of Prey leaves me very excited about the movie. Because I think it tells me that DC know has a direction and knows what they're doing with this. Um, I feel like the movies where they've kind of had that direction and known where they were going, they've had the most success. I think Wonder Woman was a movie where we didn't have any controversy, any you know people changing the script and any of that stuff, and it just went through clean. And this feels the same. Uh, it feels like uh, they're coming out with strong new news every week because I think that they have a vision and they're moving towards it. And this week, uh, Kathy Yan, who's the director for the movie, was at the U.S.-China Entertainment Summit uh, in Los Angeles, and she got to speak at length about the movie. In her conversation, she spoke about uh, Cassandra Cain making, officially making an appearance in the movie. Uh, she also spoke about the movie being rated R. So that was... Both of those things were a bit of news. We, we, I think we talked about Cassandra Kane potentially being in the movie mm. a couple of weeks ago, but this was officially confirmed. And then the uh, the news about the the R rating was was surprising to me. Now, when I thought back on it and kind of did some research before we did the show, I remembered that there were stories saying that this Harley Quinn spinoff would be a, a R movie. Now, this is Birds of Prey, so I don't think of it as a Harley Quinn spinoff. I think of it as something totally different, even though she's in the movie. So maybe that's what this is what that was. But uh, but I'll go to you first, Kendall. Uh, are you are you surprised by the R rating for this uh, Birds of Prey movie? I am surprised by the R rating, EJ. Um, I don't know if this is a good idea. Uh, we talked about... Yeah, we talked about how... Um, there aren't many, uh, we're starting to get more, but there aren't many female lead, uh, movies or TV shows in this genre, especially movies in this industry. But we talked, I also talked about last week how this was one of the few that won't be taking place in the past. And, and I wonder, does this mean... I wonder if this hurts, like, the ability for this movie to really be marketed to women across all ages. Maybe they don't want it to. I don't know. Clearly, they're going for a different vibe with this movie. But um, it also could be a missed opportunity because this would be the first time that we have this type of team of all-female characters. And... I guess they feel like they want to broaden, they want to kind of narrow the narrow the the margin of people that can see that movie, as opposed to broaden it by making PG thirteen like they did with Venom. I don't necessarily agree with that strategy, but I don't I haven't seen their movie. Um, maybe the movie has to be rated R. I can see there are certainly characters in there that should probably be rated R, but um, yeah, it's an interesting decision. Uh, Suicide Squad also was not rated R so that's why I also kind of say that because Harley Quinn was in Suicide Squad, now PG-13 now you're making it rated R so that character is going to be much uh, 
a little more darker than maybe she was in Suicide Squad. I don't know. We'll see. Is that is Suicide Squad even still canon? I don't know. But <laughs> that's a great question. These, these are all questions that have to be asked. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great question. To me, Sham, um, the R rating was a little surprising. Kathy Ann, talking about the movie, said that she um, read the script and fell in love with it. She could not put it down. She said it felt very much like the kind of stuff that she would write herself. Um, she alluded to a lot of dark humor in the movie. The R rating, to me, gives me the impression that this movie may feel and look... I don't want to say look, but may, I think I'm getting the Kill Bill feel. That yes, like there is going to be action packed, but I think this might be a little more violent than we anticipate. Which I'm okay with, depending on who's doing the violence. Like to me, someone like Black Mass is going to be played by Ian McGregor, who we learned this week. Uh, that's a character that definitely doesn't hesitate to be as violent as possible. Um, Cassandra Kane is not someone who hesitates in violence. Harley Quinn is not someone who hesitates in violence. So I feel like this is going to be kind of a really crazy, wild story of some real, like, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be gory. Not, not as gory as Kill Bill, maybe, but I just think that this is going to be like no holds bar kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. And if it's going to be rated R, then I would expect nothing less. Exactly. You know, if it's a rated R action superhero movie with the characters that are in this movie, it should be violent. You know, they might as well take advantage of that R rating and make it as realistic as possible. Um, it's a, it's, and I mean, it's honestly, this isn't that surprising to me. I mean, this seems like if DC were to make one of their movies rated R, it would be a movie like this or like Suicide Squad, or um, maybe the like one of the Batman movies. Um, but yeah, this movie being rated R does not surprise me. I think that. Um, I think that if they're targeting the same audience that they were when they were marketing Suicide Squad, I think making it radar radar makes sense. I think it'll only improve the movie. That's Mm -hmm. just my honest opinion. I don't think making it PG-13... I think making PG-13 is just going to kind of hold them back, kind of put... kind of... uh, um, uh, It's like, you know, kind of like tying their hands behind their backs while they're trying to make, make this a good movie with dark the dark theme i think that that's they, what suicide that squad want. was yeah exactly yeah exactly so um i think that this this is a good decision you know um i think it, it this honestly just makes sense with the characters that they have in the movie um i would i would i honestly would prefer it to be rated r because it's like kind of like the netflix shows yeah those being rated tvma it just makes more sense um and it makes them better um i'm also excited to see you mcgregor as black mass yeah, I want to get to him in a second. Yeah, I think that that's a very interesting casting. Um, uh, I think it'll definitely show his uh, talent as an actor. Yeah, McGregor is an interesting casting. My last bit on the Yan stuff was uh, the other reason why I say Kendall the Kill Bill thing is when I read this article about her thought process, and she was asked about whether or not there'd be Eastern elements to the movie. She said yes and no. She said. Uh, you know, no, I think probably because these are superheroes, so how, and, you know, it's not like we're, it's not like this is a Wolverine, right. feudal China, feudal Japan, right. mo- you know, movie, so it's not going to be like that, but uh, but she noted that, of course, we have Cassandra Kane. her screenwriter is uh, is half Chinese, of course, Kathy Yan is the first um, Asian woman to uh, lead 
uh, as a director, a superhero film. So when you have those elements intact, Kendall, I think it does speak to probably uh, uh, that feel that I'm getting from her and what we're going to see in this movie. Do you think I might be off on that? In what way? In, like, what you... in, in, the, in the, the, the feel that this could be a more violent movie than maybe like... we first thought because of the martial arts, perhaps, and, right, right. and Asian elements that we know are influencing this movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm certainly gonna be interested to see the uh, the action in this movie, the the choreography of the fights, um, even a character. There are a lot of physical characters in this movie. You know, Black Canary. Yes. Um, even Huntress. Like yeah. there are gonna be characters obviously that can fight. Uh, which is why I could see this. I could see this movie being rated R. Um. It's just, it doesn't have to be. Um, that's kind of, yeah. I, I've always, I'm always, when it comes to these kind of discussions, if it doesn't have to be rated R to be good, I, I don't think you need to make it rated R. And honestly, what I think will test this, my theory, is this Deadpool 2 PG-13 movie that they're coming out with in December. If that comes out and people say, oh, yeah, this PG-13 version is whack or waters down the movie so much like that would be proof that like Deadpool if Deadpool like even though Deadpool is probably one of those characters where like he probably really should be rated R like if he can do it and if he can do Deadpool PG-13 and it's done well then I think that would be kind of some evidence to suggest that a lot of these movies don't have to be rated R to be successful Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't know I feel like Birds of Prey is a movie that I'm still not con- 100% convinced it will be rated R. Um, well, Kathy Yan saying it is. <laughs> yeah, for now. But if they if they decide that they're going to audible, I, I want to see the way they market. They haven't mar- they haven't done any marketing for this movie yet. So yeah, if they decide that they're going to audible uh, the rating, because that would be what the first rated R movie that they've done. A DC? DC? Uh, technically, that ultimate cut of Superman, yeah, that, that, that Superman cut. was rated R. I don't know why. Yeah, I've never first. watched it, so I don't know yeah. what was in there that was rated R. Yeah, they, just, they just showed the burned bodies in um, Africa. That's what I, made it rated like R? They showed the corpses. Yeah, that wasn't in the original. Uh, yeah, that's that's really the only thing. Is it that graphic that, that it needs to be rated R? I mean, you, you, it's like it's kind of like um, like they're scorched. Right. Like they're, yeah. they're actual like scorched-like corpses. So that that's something that you, that you can't really show in it. I don't think you can show that in PG thirteen movie. Okay, but man, they really they really just try. They they <laughs> they just they bamboozled a lot of people with that. If that's why it was rated R. Like that that was ridiculous. But yeah, can, officially in terms of our original release, this would be the first rated R in theatrical. Yeah, theatrical yeah. release that they've that oh. they've gone with. That's why that's the only reason why I'm, I still hesitate to jump to the conclusion that. Not that I don't believe that that's the plan right now, but you know, studio step in, plans change. I mean, we were we were hearing for a while that Venom was supposed to be rated R. It wasn't official, but that was yeah, that was true that too. Seemed like that was the plan, and then that they audible from that pretty late. Um, so that's the only reason why I asked that because like, I don't know if that's gonna be best for business, but 
I, I, I do we think also business, have new people in charge. Yeah, so. I do think business wise, rated R is a weird, is a weird move for this movie. Harley Quinn's a character that a lot of kids like. Exactly. Um, it's a female movie where I would think that you'd want to have young girls want to see this movie. So that, from a business standpoint, I don't quite get it. From a storytelling standpoint, I can absolutely see why this would be rated R. Um, I agree with Kendall. It doesn't have to be. But in just inherently, yeah, Harley Quinn and Black Mask are rated R type characters. Without question. Huntress, you can make the case, is a rated R character. Mm-hmm. With question. But I, I would argue that you can definitely make the case. I mean, she kills people. So... Yeah. So there are elements there that that are there for rated R, and I kind of do commend DC a little bit if this is where they're gonna go for not kind of you know placating so to speak to uh, you know the money and saying let's just tell the most realistic story possible. What I hope doesn't happen because it's rated R is that they get into the trap of still wanting us to thinking that we want this super uber dark movie that has to be. Um, have no life and have no fun involved with it. I hope this movie can still be fun. Uh, it sounds like with with Kathy was saying regarding to the dark humor, it sounds like there's a possibility that could be the case. They just got to find a way to balance it. I think there's anything that I worry about with the radio R ratings that they decided to make another movie that has no life. They did that with Justice League um, and they tried to rewrite it and it didn't really work. They did that a lot with Batman v Superman in a way that that was irredeemable, um, and then that really didn't 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 make any sense for either of those movies. This one makes a little more sense, but you can't it can't be a, a lifeless movie with no fun with it. It's got to be different than what we've seen, and I'm hoping that Kathy Yan can can pull through. But her excitement about the movie, DC's a willingness to kind of let these kind of news bugs come out every week has me excited. And with the Ian McGregor kind of, what do you make of, uh, of his casting? Yeah. I mean, it just pours more gasoline on the, uh, the fire that we ain't getting any Obi-Wan movie. Anytime. This ain't the Imperial broadcast. <laughs> we don't got to worry about that today. You will talk, you guys can talk about that on Monday, but no, nah, I mean, it also ends any pipe dream that people thought, of Ewan McGregor, I mean, this is an end, but hurts the the prospect of Ewan McGregor ever transitioning to the MCU as well. Um, I don't know. Uh, Black Mask is an interesting character, and so I think Ewan McGregor could do, could do a good job. Um, I'm I'm not obviously. I don't know what the the I didn't see Christopher Robin. I don't know what the reviews for that were. Uh, I'm assuming it had a pretty well, uh, had a pretty fairly marketed movie. Uh, it was out there a lot. Saw plenty of advertisements for it. But um, so his face has been in the media a lot over the last couple of months for that movie. Uh, so his name's fairly hot right now. So I imagine that helps him get that role. And yeah, I don't know. I'm still not 100% sure about this casting. Not that. I don't like Ewan McGregor, because I do. Uh, from his perspective, though, I don't know if I would have signed up to be Black Mask. I feel like he could, he maybe could have aimed a little bit higher, but I don't know, it's just me. But for DC, I, I feel like it's a win. It's a win for the movie. I, the only reason there's a slight disappointment is because I feel like he could have played somebody bigger uh, somewhere down the line. 
Yeah, I mean, with with the McGregor thing, I, it, it's an interesting casting. The talent, the guy is a top-notch talent. So he's one of those actors where it's almost like I, I think you kind of give him any role. He could probably do a great job. He would not have been one of my first guesses for Black Mask. Um, but the movies, I haven't seen him in the movies necessary for me to judge for sure whether or I think he'd be great. Like, I didn't see him in Salmon Fishing in the Yemen when he was uh, nominated for Golden Globe. I didn't see him in Moulin Rouge, you know, almost 20 years ago. So there probably are roles there that I haven't seen yet um, that, that suggest that he could do this. But from what I have seen from him, we know the guy uh, is super detail-oriented. We know the guy because um, we saw how he was able to bring Obi-Wan to life at a younger age so effortlessly. And so, you know, I said the attention to detail, how he moved and everything. He he lived through that character. We've seen throughout his career attention to detail with how he's worked that I'm willing to give him a great shot at this. And the fact that they're going with someone like him to me also suggests that they're they they're going. McGregor's a big name, but you know I, it tells me they're not just going for just the biggest name ever. They're going no, they're for just going for the star. Yeah, they're going for talent. You no, know, right. they didn't. They didn't go for uh, you know a Martin Scorsese to do this. They went for Kathy Yan, someone who's pretty much an unknown to a lot of people. Um, and for Black Mass, they didn't get you know you know some Tom other Cruise. dude. Yeah, Tom Cruise, someone else. They you know they got <laughs> uh, they got Ewan McGregor, who's a a list type of talent, just hasn't had the accolades and hasn't had the uh the recognition for that but um but that gives me excitement that that they went for someone like him who we know can act the hell out of any role i'm excited to see what he can do with this one with black mask and that brings us to our uh the end of our show where we're going to talk about these show recaps before we get out of here so uh let's begin with titans uh, we're doing titans and flash this week titans um titans was interesting these last three episodes uh I feel like Titans definitely is is would win the award for uh, best show with worst trailers and marketing of all time because the marketing and trailers for this seemed like this was going to be an all time terrible show and it's not anywhere close to that. I don't know if it's great yet, but it's intriguing and interesting and it makes sense. Those early reviews that we saw about people who saw the first four episodes said that this is something that. You would want to keep paying attention to. It's on the first three. This is the this oh, is the first, first three. Yeah, this is the first one that. that everyone is kind of. Oh, I didn't even know that. To. Yeah. Even with the first three, I would say even from the last one, uh, before this one, I would say that yeah, this is a show that has my attention for sure. Um. First, the Hawk and Dove episode. I like the Hawk and Dove episode. Um, it was a weird episode, but the one thing I like about Titans is that this show. It has no qualms with breaking a lot of rules, you know. What what show does a second episode where they of the entire series where they're introducing guest characters um, who are established heroes? What show is introducing an entirely different superhero team uh, in a fourth episode? You know, like it, it, you know, we know the Jason Todd episode is coming soon. Like it's this. The one thing I do appreciate about Titans a little bit is while I've complained that oftentimes they've gone too far away from just giving us what we would want they they are determined to break all the rules and tell whatever story they feel is necessary to get their points across but um i like the the i like the hawk and dove episode a lot um 
and the, and the last Doom Patrol episode I thought was was great. I think that that was their first great episode to me. And the one thing about the Doom Patrol episode I would say though is that I feel like part of it felt like this is what I wanted from Titans, and I'm not. I know this is not what I'm gonna get. Like I, I'm I'm actually now excited to see what the Doom Patrol is gonna be, because like the humor. Like the 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 jokes, the the writing and the script for like those characters and like the interactions, like I was like, this is what I I kind of wanted from Titan. This is what I I thought I could see from the Teen Titans, and I'm getting it from the Doom Patrol. And I can only hope that with Beast Boy not with the team, we'll get more of those interactions. Um, but Shmar, what do you think of these episodes? Uh, starting with Hawk and Dove, and then ending up with what we had with Doom Patrol in episode four. Um, I like what I'm seeing. You know, I, again, it's not uh, it's not spectacular. You know, it's not you know, um, you know, it's not Flash season two. It's not Arrow season um, five. You know, I mean, we uh, it's got it's still got some growing. It's still a lot that I I have yet to see. But um, in terms of uh, me coming to a, a, a a reg uh, to a solid opinion on this show, but so far I'm intrigued. You know, I'm intrigued. I am not watching this show the same way that I was watching Humans, and to the point where I'm just like, why am I watching this? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, but it's it's okay. You know, and uh, uh, that's basically what I've been telling people. Whenever people would ask me about this show, I'd be like, it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's it's okay. It's not like terrible. It's also not spectacular. My favorite parts. Oh, well, I enjoy um, Raven. I think she's playing her character well. I agree. I'm surprisingly enjoying Starfire as well. Oh, I think Starfire is the um, best character. So I, I'm enjoying Starfire um, quite a bit. I'm still iffy on you know her, uh, uh, you know, just killing people. You know, as still is. I don't know. She's just she's icing people. I feel weird about that. Um, but I like her character a lot. Mm-hmm. I like the character that she's playing in the show. I think I think it works. And of course, I like Robin. I've said since day one. I, I think this is a good Dick Grayson. I think he's playing the character well. He reminds me of Nightwing, um, which I wonder if he's eventually going to be Nightwing um, throughout the show. But I think that's a wait and see. And I like Beast Boy as well. I think Beast Boy might end up being my favorite of all the Titans. Yeah, Beast Boy, Kendall, I thought really brought a just a entirely different energy to the show in that last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree with you on that, Sham, as well. Kendall, what do you think of Beast Boy and the rest of these episodes we've seen? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, that last Doom Patrol episode uh, was by far their best episode that they've had so far. Um, wasn't as high on the Hawk and Dove episode, because I thought it was a little... The episode was alright, but I thought it was a little off the beaten path a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know. I didn't have the I wasn't probably as invested. Also, because, like, I mean, the Doom Patrol episode was also very much off the beaten path. Yeah, this but, show has no problems just doing yeah. whatever. <laughs> Forget about the storyline. The the positives, at least the what what's redeeming about it was that one. I know I'm getting a Doom Patrol show, so I know it's not like I gotta pay it somewhat attention. I mean, Hawk and Dove. I'm assuming we're not getting a Hawk and Dove show, so I'm like, this has to, this is playing a. a a role in the series somehow, but it's not nearly the obvious because a character like Beast Boy wasn't in, wasn't part. Like Hawk and Dove aren't going to be a part of the the team, you know, two episodes later. So 
that being said, plus I don't think it was as good of an episode. Uh, and I thought episode three was also like all right. You know, I don't think that was a great episode as well. But I thought episode four was very strong. Um, obviously, again, it served as uh, quasi backdoor pilot to Doom Patrol and introduces to those characters. And I mean, after seeing that episode, I can see why we so quickly got that that order of 12, 13 episodes for Doom Patrol right after, like, they filmed that episode, right after, like, before the series, before Titans was even even came out. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. It was like, you know, before, they were like, oh, we also got Doom Patrol coming down the pipe. I'm like, dad, we haven't even seen the episode. <laughs> what if people don't like the Doom Patrol? Then the show's done. But that, that, they knew that, for a fact people were going to like the Doom yeah, Patrol. Yeah, that ended real quick. <laughs> yeah, no. As soon as and, Robot Man, or, uh, Robo, Robot Man comes out and he has that conversation with Beast Boy, I'm worried. Oh, you know, I'm a lot of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's interesting because, like, they do a lot of the. They've done a. They did a lot of the typical superhero movie TV show tropes of like, you know, you know, Robot Man's got the Ben Grimm kind of. Oh, I can't go out and. Yeah. You know, looking at his former self and stuff, and you know, there's a little bit of that X Men kind of vibe of like mm-hmm. they're mutants, so they can't like they can't kind of assimilate with society. Yeah, but it's almost like they do that better than say like the Gifted, who they're also supposed to be mutants, quote unquote, but they all are like humans, so they don't necessarily have that problem that. Like, these characters, obviously, like, Negative Man and Robot Man aren't, like, walking out in that, you know, aren't, aren't walking out in the street. Yeah. Uh, the same way you can do on The Gifted. So that's an interesting way of looking at it. But, um, yeah, no, I thought that episode was good. And I agree with you, EJ, that their chemistry is something that I think we should and I think we eventually will see between the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. I just think that they can't do that right now because they're playing a long game. I agree. Like, I they can't that, rush. Like, oh, now they're all buddy buddy and mm-hmm. t- cracking jokes, and they know everything about each other. I mean, that would have been that would that would have been kind of weird. But I think at some point we will get to that. Um, I I I do think that they made a, the wrong move taking this show slow mm-hmm. because I mean I don't know the Teen Titans like there's no origin in the Teen Titans cartoon. There's an origin in Young Justice. There's no origin in, in the Teen Titans cartoon, and I don't feel like we... And nobody, There were times where I was like, how did these guys even come together as a kid? Like, I, I kind of think that in my head, but it didn't hurt the show at all. You know, like, it does make you wonder, should they have just done, like, Doom Patrol? Where it's like, oh, yeah, we've just been doing this. We're, we're a team. I think... And they just start the show like that. I'm glad you. They used, get the yeah. story that they're trying to tell, but mm-hmm. I just wonder if that would have been better for them. Yeah, I mean, this is. I think it's because this is the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you kind of just said basically said what my response yeah. is going to be. I mean, like this is such a different team too, from what people are used to. I mean, Raven's like a kid, and Robin is like Nightwing, basically now, and uh, Starfire doesn't know who she is. They're trying to tell this story. This is a story they're trying to tell, so you can't tell this story and have them already be a team. They would have had to right. change, fundamentally change the whole show. Which, yeah. I mean, if that's what you want them to do, that's one thing. But um, 
I'm okay with what they're they're giving us so far. Yeah, I think Kendall you use the word long game. I think that that's that's what I would assess in watching this show and kind of what I'm getting as I watch this show, which is why I'm staying with it. And I think again why I kind of understand their reactions early on, which were it's pretty decent. You should keep watching. <laughs> that's what everyone kept saying, and I was like, that's a weird kind of reaction to a show. Um, they couldn't really confirm whether they thought this was great or excellent. They were like, it's pretty good, but I'm intrigued to see what else is coming. And I think it's because they are playing a long game. I think that long game is their way of getting to whatever the Titans we think of it looking more like that. I think that they feel like in order for us to buy in and really be invested in the relationships and the connections for these four heroes, we need to see them kind of pick each other up. Because that's essentially what's happening. Um, we see, you know, Beast Boy is going to have his opportunity to really live out uh, on his own for the first time with this group. Starfire is going to learn who she is with this group. Raven is going to figure out who she is and how to stop whatever she's supposed to be from happening with this group. And Robin, I think, is going to learn about not being that killer. I don't like that story, but that's what they're going with. Not being that killer, not, you know, not like going into that dark temptation like we saw when he beats the crap out of that dude in front of his daughter, uh, you know, for not answering his questions about Raven. Like, all of those things are going to happen because of their relationships and their react, their, uh, their, their relationships together. And when that all builds up, we will eventually then see the Titans. And they'll, they all will have be the people that we are used to seeing them be. But it would have, would have came through a struggle. And there's an argument to be made that that is way more beneficial and way more, uh, and way more real than just dropping them on us and saying, this is who they are because you know who they are. Um, and, and I could understand that. If there's a belief in the story that it could work, I could see why a story, uh, a showrunner and a story developer would want to show us that story. And I think that's what they're going to do. But they're really starting all of these characters, with the exception of Beast Boy, from complete rock bottom. And that was... It's a little tough to see, you know, for people who enjoy these characters. They're all pretty much... They're all very lighthearted characters. It's hard for us to see them. Not Raven, but... Um, but we see her in more lighthearted nature with these with this group. It's hard to see all these characters like this in this state. But I think they feel like it's gonna pay off when we finally see them rise above it. I think that's what they're trying to do. Right. Remember yeah, Oh. No, what were you gonna say? Well I was gonna I was gonna go to a different but you, you, you can respond. No, yeah, I was gonna say that I mean I completely agree with that. Like they're trying to um um, they're trying to show how they came together. They're trying to show how they became this family, and I and I, um, uh, I would kind of rather see that honestly right now. Um, you know, and I, I see the argument for wanting to see them already kind of together as a team. You kind of just want to see the live action version of the show. Um, but you know, I kind of commend them for trying to take this, go in this direction, and try to show the origin. Um, you know, they're not kind of taking the easy route. They're like, listen, we're going to try to tell an actual story here, you know, which you could tell a story with them as a team, but they're trying to tell a story of them and their bond mm-hmm. and how they formed that bond. 
Um, and not through flashbacks. They're trying to tell it like this is how this is going to happen. Or this is how they meet. And this is how they become the the Titans. Since they're not all teens now. Um, and uh, and I think I think I prefer this, honestly. I think they're doing this right the right way. Yeah, and remember when it comes to this Doom Patrol episode uh, in this series, remember we're, we're also going to get Cyborg in that Doom, in that Doom Patrol yeah. show. Mm-hmm. And his inclusion now makes a lot more sense when you watch that episode. Because yeah. yeah. I, I sat back and I thought about, like, well, we're getting a Doom Patrol show, and that episode was great, but do I still, do I need to see 13 episodes of these guys? That was going to be my question, mm-hmm. especially now that Beast Boy is gone. But now if you include Cyborg, and his character obviously fits with the concept of the Doom Patrol, now that makes that show a little bit more important to watch. And the actor that, that's going to be playing Cyborg said that he claims that the costume that they have is going to be is amazing. And it's all practical, no CGI effects. So um, take that for what it's worth, but... That this this episode got me excited for this Doom Patrol show that's coming out next year. Yeah, it did for me. It did for me as well. Um, there was questions because they said the Doom Patrol was show up in episode five and it ended up being episode four. There were questions about how what may have happened that led this to happening. Um, I was wondering about that too. I didn't. I didn't. They were going to see them so soon, but yeah, um, there might have been some stuff that got shuffled around somewhere. I don't know, or scenes that got cut. We still have to see. Um, Jason, the Jason Todd episode. I don't know Which when. I don't know when that's going to show up. It's supposed that's to be episode supposed seven. To be eight. Oh yeah. Well now, now yeah. I'm seeing seven on Wikipedia. So I don't know if yeah, that's exactly. been moved. Yeah. There might <laughs> be probably, some, probably seven. Yeah, there there might be some movement that's been happening because that was surprising a lot of people. It was like, how did we get to Doom Patrol so early? Uh, but I think it was for the betterment of the show. I think this ended up working out well. Um. My last thing on, oh, would also be that uh, in that episode three, which I think, well, one thing, I do, I do feel like I really hope that now that the team is together, that we can get closer to the Dick Grayson than we're used to seeing. I know Shamari saying that you know he feels like we are seeing Dick Grayson, and in some aspects I agree, but this dude is just so dark and so without hope right now that it's just like I need to see him not wanting to beat the crap out of people. And like, not be so down on himself. And I'm hoping that the team being together will do that. Uh, Dick Grayson should be inherently likable. I don't know if they've really done that with his character yet. Uh, you see, he, he you know he tries to steal what's name's girl. He tries to steal uh, Hawk and Dove from Hawk. Uh, in the past, we see you know of course him beat the crap out of people. We see him you know leave Raven. We see him lie to Raven like. A lot of elements to this Grayson that we know he's in a bad spot, but I just feel like there's got to be a time where the pendulum's got to turn because that's kind of his thing, that he's always the like internal optimist. So that's, for me, as a Dick Grayson fan, a Nightwing fan, is what I'm still waiting for, and I'm hoping that with Beast Boy back on the team that maybe he could be maybe the element that teaches him that. I don't know because we, we have seen none of that so far to me. Hmm. Yeah, um... Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I mean, I, I think, I think we'll see that. We'll see that it has to be a progression. They can't just introduce him like that. So we have to kind of see that transformation take place. And I think that's going to come over time with them going on missions. So it may take a good three, four, 
five episodes for them to get to that point. And we we just said Jason Todd's going to show up in episode seven. So I'm sure that's going to have an impact as well. Which probably will have a big impact since he's the current Robin uh, to Batman in this timeline. So I think that's going to have an impact as well. Um, you know, I think I think we're going to be getting there. But it's, de- it's definitely going to take time. It's going to be a process. What did you think of uh, the flashbacks of of Grayson being taken in by Bruce? I liked them. I, I thought it was cool. Um, I mean, they didn't show Bruce Wayne. That was like the ultimate tease. Yeah, that those flash, that those was, shadowy that, figures, yeah, the, in the shadowy background. figure in the window. <laughs> that was kind of what the ultimate tease. But you know, it was cool seeing Dick Grayson's flashbacks because we usually don't see that. I mean, we we'll see like a, a tiny scene or whatever, but like. We usually don't see that kind of extended thing. And it also kind of shows how similar that experience is to Bruce's experience. Yeah. You know, like it's so similar when, I mean, because we've seen that experience from Bruce's perspective a million, a million times. But usually you don't see it from Dick's perspective. So I thought that was, I thought that was cool. I thought it was good to show that. And I thought the little nuance of like, you know, like Bruce trying to like, you know, help a kid out and like him not still being quite able to connect but like he right. just like gives him a closet full of sneakers and stuff yeah and like that kind of stuff was kind of like neat because like yeah like bruce would do something like that someone who's not like like you know as like he's he can relate to this kid because his parents also died but like he still can't relate to people right so he's like i'll buy him a bunch of clothes and like you know air force ones and like he'll go crazy and like right take a look at this stuff like what the hell get me the hell out of here but then he does take the shoes because he's a kid which I thought was funny. Like that, I I enjoyed those uh, flashbacks. Kind of. What did you think? Yeah, yeah. I thought the flashbacks were cool. Um, you know, like I said last week, I don't know if I had mentioned it on the show or off air, but you know, there was rumors that Lewis Tan was playing uh, was playing Batman or he's playing Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Um, no clue. No clue if that's him or not. Looked a little bit like him, but. You can't, you can't really tell yeah, from behind. It, it'll make no difference at that point, if it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I can't confirm whether or not we have an Asian American Batman or not. But what I will say is, it does suggest that I think we will see not only Batman but possibly Bruce Wayne in this series at some point, and that will also be very interesting. Yeah. Also, I also like that that Robin that he's that Dick Grayson. He's still driving that same car that he stole. Yeah, so too. I think that's really fun. Also, I saw I saw some people saying online that like the his phone, like the numbers, the the phone numbers on his phone were like had all these like Easter eggs. I'm trying to see if I can pull it up. Yeah, so it had like Donna Troy, had Bruce Wayne, had a, a Camille uh, Versace. Donna Troy will be on the show. Yes, I know. So, but it was, it's kind of funny to have like. The people apparently Lucius Fox was on there as well. Uh, I think I saw Lucius Fox. Yeah, I I, I like I kind of spaced out. I think when he pulled out his phone, but it was funny to kind of see all those uh, phone numbers on there. You know, of course he had Hawk and Dove. He had you know Hank Hall, Don Don Granger, but um, but yeah, there were a bunch of Easter eggs in that uh, even in his uh in his phone, which I thought were cool. Um trying to read if there are any other uh names that were should be of note some of the names were like people who work on the show which is interesting (laughs) but uh let's move on now kendall and shamari and let's uh talk about the flash so we're up to episode we finished the first four episodes of course we talked about the pilot a pre uh the season premiere a couple weeks ago and now we're back 
talk about uh, the most recent episode, which we learn a lot more about the beef between Iris and uh, and XS Nora, why that beef is so real to Nora. And we learned that it's because her powers were dampened by Iris, who um, dampened them with some kind of microchip that she inserted into her as a child, which was a way darker turn than I expected there to be in terms of why their relationship was off. I didn't know what the situation would be. Um, but then you had Barry kind of side with Iris, which kind of makes me wonder where their relationship will go from here. Uh, I feel like that was probably the biggest thing of note, along with the, the, the development of the villain, um, who we see. I feel like he showed up way earlier than the other villains in recent seasons. Am I wrong about that? In terms of like actually fighting the heroes. Like, I don't feel like Zoom was, like, fighting Barry in episode two. Well, Thinker, I mean, he was revealed in episode one. Yeah, but, like, I mean, like, direct contact. Like, like right, you know, right. hand-to-hand, like, we fighting out here and I'm trying to kill you. Yeah. Combat. Like, that was, that was, this is the earliest we've yeah, seen of that. Is, I think this is the earliest. And I think it's to the benefit of the show. I think that there is more of a benefit to me knowing that, like, the villain is actively involved than, like, what the thinker was doing last year, which was, like, him just, like, plotting in the background, doing things that we don't know what they mean or what that's going to impact, that's going to yeah, impact just, moving forward. Just doing things with random bus metas. And- yeah, the, the like, the heroes being so, like, in some ways, that's kind of been, I think, one of the things that maybe has hurt the Flash is that, like, I think all the villains, especially the last two, with, uh, with Savitar and with... um with what's the name DeVoe. With, with DeVoe was that the the heroes were so far behind the villain that it, I mean it almost was like it was pointless to watch the show because it was just like <laughs> the, they whatever they're doing is not going to work and the guy has like is eight steps ahead and he knows what they're doing so not all of this is futile there, there I did have a little bit of joy seeing kind of like you know Dibney get so close to uh to what's this guy's name I can't what, what how Sherlock you Wells no, oh yeah, and Sherlock Wells, um, the the villain named Kayeda, Cicada. Cicada. I don't know why his name was losing. Uh, get so close to kind of figuring out things about Cicada and him kind of feeling that that pressure, you know. Uh, I think that that kind of brings a little bit more of a different energy to the show. But um, what do you guys make of these episodes? I go to you first, Kendall. Yeah, I mean the Flash is interesting because I thought that it's. I mean, it's been decent this season. It's been better than season four. Um, I think while it has been better, there's the way that they've done this show, I think, speaks to what could be a larger problem for the series. And that, what I mean by that is, I feel like what's been good about this season or some of the better elements, I think the Nora Allen stuff has been good. Yeah. Um, I think that the, I think Cicada and his storyline of the villain so far through what, three, four episodes, through yeah, four, four episodes four has episodes. been good. Um, what's the problem with that is that I feel like the major storyline right now with Cicada that I think they've done well is who is Cicada and that's a problem because every time we've had a good Flash villain, largely the question around that character has been, who is this guy? Right. 
And the I just wonder, is that the only way in which they can truly do um is that the only formula that they have to really, you know, pump out a good season? Uh right now the Nora Allen thing also goes back to something they've done a lot and that's a future timeline story and the the oh the timeline is changing story that they've done before. Right. Um not to mention now after apparently after the enlightenment now we we've started all these enlightenment metas you know like yeah now there's meta tech as we saw yeah there's meta tech it's just the problem is that the the show feels too formulaic right now yeah. where like arrow you can say what you want about arrow but i don't feel like every season they have the, they're going with the same formula i would agree with that just repackaging it in a different way that's what it feels like the flash is doing right now and i mean it's good i mean it's i can watch it but i just i feel like i watch it i'm like i feel like i've we've seen this before it's just with a different kind of cast of characters well it's interesting kendall is i would argue that last season was the first season where they tried to actually do something totally different and it it was a nuclear bomb in terms of how it blew up in their face and yeah it's a good point that okay this is definitely an improvement but is it just because they've gone to a formula that has worked before the only difference i would say is that with those other villains there was an obvious connection to the team that made it more even more of a mystery who this person is with this guy we see who cicada is but we don't know what his deal is or like what his name is really but there's no assumption that he knows the team or that he is a part of the team in any way so so that would be the that would be the only difference i think in regards to the sham uh do do you uh what would you say about that about that um yeah yeah i mean i mean yeah i think i think you're right about that um i mean i i think it's i think it is um uh i think it's a a good thing that we're getting we're starting right out right off the bat with them fighting the the main villain um uh of cicada um i think so far cicada has been okay i like how he is more interesting um, than the other villains, Devo. and then Devoe certainly, yeah. and you know, um, even a lot of the other speedsters. I find his what they have going for him is very fascinating. I'm interested to see how they are able they are going to be able to defeat him. Um, I think I'm kind of similar in kind of that this it, it, this season just it, it's just something with this show. You know, something is just lacking with this show. I think the drama that they have going on now with Nora and her parents. It's not hidden for me. Really? It's not hidden for me. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I get, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's CW drama. I get it. (laughs) You know, I understand it. Um, I don't know why for me, I'm just like, all right, come on, let's get past this. You know, I'm like, yes, you know, she did this and you're upset about it. And they're upset that she's upset about it. Let's, you know, I, I was got more. Ex- I was more excited when she showed up and she was like, "Okay, I'm here to help." And blah blah blah. Once I started getting a feeling that she w- had something with Iris, I'm like, I was kind of like, "Okay, all right." So let's. Okay, so what's her problem with Iris? What's Barry gonna do about it? You know, how are we gonna get this family drama resolved so we can get back to how are we gonna fight this bad guy? 
Yeah. You know, and what are we going to... So I'm just like, okay. And I know it, it's it's important, you know, because, of course, she's like a future speedster, and she's, a, I'm guessing, the future Flash, since the Flash isn't there. But, like, it's just... I, I don't know. I'm just... It's just drama that I'm not really that interested in. And, you know... And there's another Wells, and this is probably my least favorite Wells, honestly. Mm. Um, not that <laughs> I don't Sherlock Wells. Yeah, not that I even hate him necessarily, but he just—he's definitely my least favorite Wells of all the well of all the Wells that we've gotten so far. Um, maybe it'll take just gonna take a very long time for me to warm up to this Wells, but uh, this Wells is definitely the most goofy. Like, yeah, and that's saying a lot. We, we had HR. Yeah, we but had this, HR, but this guy, this, this guy, this they, guy's on another level. Right yeah, now. it's a little weird. That accent, just con- every episode, yeah, that ridiculous I, accent. I, I'm, I'm going to hold out hope that there's more to him. that Because I, I remember the first Wells, I, I initially was kind of like, huh? And then like when we learned that he was actually really dumb, I, I loved him. Because then like it all made sense. And then he was great mm-hmm. from there on. So I had to give that Wells a couple of episodes. So I'm going to give this Wells also a couple episodes. But yeah, it is kind of weird that they would... like. So obviously, go towards the Sherlock Holmes thing, like just and like literally his name is Sherlock. Like, I, right? That just is a that, that was a weird move. Yeah. To, for someone who's going to be a recurring character, you know, if this was a one off like that, I understand that. But yeah, to make this like you know this Wells is a Sherlock Holmes Wells like, and then name him like, Sherlock. It's like yeah. they really know, like it's like didn't where did think, they come up with that? Yeah, yeah, they really didn't think beyond the surface to try to come up with something original and unique. Yeah, like they did with HR, who was super unique and super original. So that's a little alarming, but again, I'm gonna give him a chance. Um, in terms of the Nora stuff, I kind of—it's funny. It didn't bother me as much the way you kind of put it, though. I kind of get how this could be, uh, this could be an issue. The story needs a secondary, and it needs secondary storyline. So one is Caitlyn with her finding her father. I, yeah, and I was gonna say I was—I'm I'm more intrigued with that, honestly, than right. the family drama that I know is gonna get resolved. With some I, kind yeah. of family moment, it's like okay, let's have the family moment. <laughs> I almost know? think I almost think the storyline that they set out with like potentially excess getting word that she should interact with this group of people when that satellite came down, like when HR or, or Sherlock Wells was like, you know, you didn't, you someone must have told you like to to like intervene. Right, then. Yes, and she was like, uh, no, uh, he's oh yeah, of course not. And she walks away. She's like. Damn, someone maybe be on to me. He is on to her with that. That is extremely intriguing. That's way more interesting. Because that could yeah. be a villain who told her. That could be maybe she. Yeah, anybody. Yeah. That could be anybody. That could be someone from the future. Like, that. that is extremely intriguing. And I think that we will eventually get some more to that and away from the family drama stuff. Um, but they need to be secondary storylines, and they chose this. It doesn't bother me as much. Um, I don't know. I guess it doesn't bother me much only because I feel like Iris is a character who ironically the first season they kind of wrote her very unlike to be a very unlikable even though in the show she is very likable she's a popular person she has a boyfriend and family and a lot of people like her she works at you know a news organization and in the show she is generally a very likable person like she's one of the people that is within the storyline she's not someone who's supposed to be unlikable ever so I, I think it is intriguing to kind of see Kenneth Patton work with that role of having someone who she desperately wants to like her, not like her, and think how she, her acting and just I think she's done a good job and how they've pushed her in that regard. I agree that that could get old, and I don't know if this is a storyline that they should continue for a very long period of time. 
But I think I've enjoyed the challenges I've seen and, like, watching these awkward scenes between her and Nora and Barry or her just her and Nora and seeing Candace's little reactions to everything and, like, how she's playing that character. I think she's done a great job. So I think I've enjoyed the performance of it, which is why the story of it, which could be very annoying, hasn't annoyed me nearly as much. Mm. But, Kendall, yeah, the Sherlock Wells thing is something I did want to get to. That, What do you feel about him? Because I'm, I'm a little worried. Um, I don't know. It's too early for me now. Uh, I I agree that I, mean, I saw him and rolled my eyes a little bit, but, uh, you know, I I also wasn't super high on HR initially and mm-hmm. gave him a chance, and he very much grew. Uh, Tom Cavanaugh is an excellent actor, so I give him a I give I'll give him a shot. Give him a couple episodes, see if, you know, obviously he got introduced very recently. So there was a story they wanted to tell with his introduction. But how does he sort of, assuming he stays all season, how does he then, like HR did, become a functioning normal member of the team? And what will his role be? That will be what I'm looking out for. And if he does a good job with that, which which he transitioned very well into that role, uh... I then I don't see a problem with Sherlock Wells right now, but uh, I can I definitely do see your concerns because um, it was very over the top. The yeah. Way he was played. yeah, yeah, they really yeah, laid it on laid it on thick with him. So that is something that uh, I think is is something to be interesting to look at how they manage him because I I don't want him to be a cartoon character. You know, they got to find a way to make it. You bring him initially, and then there's there's the uh, there's the the funny elements in him, but they gotta eventually make it more like he's a part of the team. Exactly. You know, and right now he's just. I mean, he's the he's the clearly the comic relief for the show. He is. Um, he's also kind of the brains as well, which is also a little weird. That, you know, he's trying. He's kind of representing both sides. And, Cisco, I think, does that very well. But this Sherlock Wells is like like he's bumbling, but like he's also kind of not. I don't know. You got Dibney Cisco. I don't know if I needed. I don't. I don't need another comedic. I don't need another one. But to me, Dibney kind of replaced HR. Yeah, exactly. And I thought he did that very well. He did. You know, but this what they're doing with this Sherlock or Sherlock Sherlock Holmes, however he doesn't. However, he wants to announce that. Um, um, it's just, uh, just uh, I don't know. It may take some time. Kendall's right that it, you know it took it took us a while to warm up to HR. So I might warm up to this Wells also. Um, but you're, I mean, you're right. This is super catchy, just right off the bat. So it's hard for me to see this. Um, for me to see this working as well as HR. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I only, mean, only because of how they because of how pulled they it off last time that I can't say for that sure that, sure oh, this that, it's definitely oh, not going to work. I, I would hold out hope for it, but, but they, yeah, there is that concern, is that concern of, of will they be able, will to, they be able to make that transition. Make that transition. Um, um, Kendall, any, any Kendall, thoughts on, on the Caitlyn father thing? Father thing. On say that again. On the Kate on Caitlyn's father. Oh, weird. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, heard some people have theories that maybe he's Cicada. I don't know. Mm. I, 
that seems uh that seems a little too like red herring you know like i don't think they would do that but um i do think that his story whatever that situation is will end up being i know that that see that is a story that i don't think is cookie cutter necessarily it's something that they've done um so that's why i think like Shamar said, he's very invested in that storyline. I'm also very invested in that storyline. Um, so I, yeah, I'm very interested to see what they where they go with that, uh, with that kind of, uh, with that aspect of the show. Um, when it comes to Cisco, he's kind of in no man's land right now. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, though he had the episode where you know he was trying to get over Gypsy, but. Like what is he even doing? Right now he's not even right team. He's exactly. uh, they send him away because he had to, they had to kill off the the vibe superhero so that they can get Sakata off his case. But um yeah, Cisco has no storyline, and it is interesting that they decided to move him on. You know, basically, you know, they kind of just write him off the show. I don't know if the actor is going to be doing something else or if this is a very short-term very short-term hiatus, but, hiatus, but right now there's nothing right creative now, that they have going for him right now, and it's interesting because it's surprised that the Gypsy breakup would send him in such a tailspin in terms of a character, in terms of a storyline, because Gypsy wasn't someone that showed up a lot. You know, they were able to kind of have that relationship with him in the previous Harrison Wells and their friction, so to speak. Um, and then um, there's his frustration with Harrison using that, uh, using that brain thing, brain and them trying to get back his, get his, back his, 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 his smarts. His like, like, he needs a storyline badly, story and they put him in the gypsy thing, the gypsy and, and thing now that that's not now that that's there, it's not happening, I don't know where he goes from here. Literally, he's not on the show right now. Yeah, this seems to be something where they, um... I, I mean, I, I, I don't know why, don't know why they, tr- just, they chose not to give him any kind of storyline, <laughs> uh, at least for right now, but that's what they did. You know, you're right, the Gypsy didn't show up that much. They could have wrote him as being, you know, upset, and they could have, they didn't have to write it so that Cicada would, would be hunting him specifically, and then he couldn't show up. I mean, so they just decided to write him off the show for now, for whatever reason. Um, uh, so yeah, it's kind of strange to me, too, that they would choose to do that. And I am probably going to miss his presence a lot, um, but I mean, I guess we'll, <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens there. I don't know why they decide to kind of make it so that he's absent. For the right team's now. crowded, though. You got it is you crowded. got you got Nora now. Um, you got the new Harrison. We still have Joe in the mix. You still have Cecile in the mix. Of course, you got Barry. You got Iris. I mean, there are a lot of people around. You got uh, uh, Dibney. You got. Uh, uh, Caitlin, so it's a lot of people. It is crowded. I mean, Cisco is like a fan favorite, right? For me, especially. Um, I feel like he he is he like brings life to the show a lot of times when you don't feel like there is any life, um, or you don't feel like there's anything to really like about what's going on. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I guess that's just a calculated risk they're taking right now. Can I any last thoughts on where you feel like uh, the show is heading? Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to see where, uh, the rest of this kind of arc is going. Like you said, they introduced Sakata very early. So does that, what does that mean in terms of how long is he the villain? Um, Mm. 
Thinker was obviously the villain all season. And it was a it was a dreadful twenty something episodes <laughs> of the Thinker being the series long villain. But we've also seen in past situations when they introduced the villain that quickly. Um I a la Caden James last season in Arrow that there is some sort of bait and switch yeah, the, that can be the case. Exactly. Yeah. Is that is that going to be the case uh, with the Flash this season, where we get that? Oh, Red Herring! This guy is not the ultimate big bad of the season. That there is someone else lurking. Um, but overall, I mean, a lot a lot of the big question is going to be what what was that reason for why Iris? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, dampened. Nora's powers. There are a lot of a lot of theories out there, um, but it's still they're still very vague on what happened. So that's something that uh, we'll have to see to find out. Yeah, my my guess is going to end up being that it has something to do with uh, why ever Barry disappears, and I don't know if Barry was being hunted. I don't know what was happening, but. When we know there's black flashes around, when we know there are these threats around that are going after speedsters, something tells me that Iris saw Adam the Barry and was like, I can't let whatever threat that made Barry disappear happen to her. And that's what I assume. I, I, I That's my guess as to why she would have done that. Because, I mean, she loves Barry for his, his speed and everything, the flash, being the Flash and like that. She's had this obsession, so to speak, with the Flash since he first appeared on the scene, so why she would be so terrified of her daughter being a speedster tells me that there, there definitely is a, an imminent, immediate threat that makes her feel like she has to wipe any chance of that happening away by just not making her a speedster. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it has to be something that was just um, there in the present time that Iris knew about. <laughs> maybe she knows what happened to Barry, maybe not, but something was threatening her or threatening speedsters or or people with enhanced abilities and that's not hard to imagine i mean it happens every season in the flash yeah so it could have been anything literally so yeah it was just something where she's just like nope my daughter's not gonna deal with that and she just dampened her power dampened her powers yep well we will be we'll continue to keep watching as we watch all these shows over the course of the season hope you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast on New Generation Podcast Network, on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Um, be sure also to follow us on our YouTube channel where you can subscribe at New Generation Media. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, uh, uh, New Generation Media. Follow us on Twitter at New Generation Pod and on Instagram at New Generation Podcast. Follow Shamari on Instagram and Snapchat, MCShan22. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart and on Instagram at ActionEJ. That does it for now, though. We'll be back next week with more Hero Talk. For Kendall, for Shamari, I'm EJ. Peace.